Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Ephesians 5.11 Should Christians listen to Taylor Swift? Is there a demonic spirit influencing the music industry? Is mind control a thing? What does witchcraft have to do with any of this? I'm Angela Yucci. This is Heaven and Healing Podcast. Welcome back to the Heaven and Healing podcast. This is a long-awaited series on should Christians listen to Taylor Swift. I'm going to dive right into it because there is a lot to cover here, y'all. First, want to say that if you are listening, I recommend if it's possible for you to maybe watch this because there are going to be some visuals. I'm going to be putting some documentation on the screen as I read along, some lyrics on the screen as I read along, the Bible verses on the screen as I read along, and then just some visuals to accompany things that I'm saying. So just... You're more than welcome to listen, but it may be better to watch in this instance. Um, Anyway, why am I doing this? Why am I taking so much time? Why did I spend like 30 hours of research just to compile an episode or a series rather all about Taylor Swift? It was originally going to be just an episode, but y'all know me. Um, Because as a Christian, we have three enemies. Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3 calls them by name, where Paul, by the way, is talking to the church. He's talking to you when he says this. Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Beloved, our enemies are the world, the prince of the air, a.k.a. Satan, and the flesh. Those are the three enemies of the Christian. The problems are identified right here. Following the course of the world, following Satan and the spirit that is at work in the sons of disobedience, as the scripture says, and carrying out the desires of the body. So it's those three problems, following the course of the world, following Satan and the spirits that are at work and carrying out the desires of the body. Okay. And secular music encompasses all three. That's why this is such a big deal. Throughout this two-part series on should Christians listen to Taylor Swift, I'm going to go through those three facets. In talking about the world, I will discuss the agenda with Taylor Swift as perpetuated by her handlers and secularist mind control programming, mind control programming, (laughs) um... In talking about following Satan and the spirit that is at work in the sons of disobedience or daughters, you know, interchangeable, I'm going to talk about the reality of true demonization that is at large in Taylor Swift's music and persona, how a literal spirit 
as Ephesians plainly says, is at work here, is at work. And finally, in talking about the desires of the body, I'm going to discuss how indulging in her music is an addiction of the flesh. And the more we feed that addiction, the more we starve the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. On the contrary, when we starve the flesh, we put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light that Romans 12 talks about. So our goal as a Christian should always be to starve the flesh. Romans 12, 14 says there, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. (laughs) Do not think about how to satisfy the desires of the flesh. Which is really all we do when we listen to music. That is the goal of music. There is no other purpose to listen to music other than to gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, am I saying that we should all be legalists and just never listen to anything or anyone or do anything ever again? No, that's not what I'm saying. We'll get to that in a moment. In part one of this Should listen, should Christians Listen to Taylor Swift series, you can kind of expect the primary focus to be on the flesh and the world facet. And then in part two, you can expect the primary focus to be more on the demonic and the witchcraft and the ancient principalities on an assignment from hell that used Taylor Swift and this music to enchant the masses. Um, Now, it is all kind of going to be woven together because it's it really does all coincide. But that's kind of how I could best break it up is part one, the flesh, the world, part two, the flesh, the witchcraft. So. Um, I want to say a little bit about my personal experience with Taylor Swift and how I was truly demonized by mind control. I was demonized by, um, lust and, uh, sexual spirits, um, for a very long time that I really, that was continually fed into by the indulgence of Taylor's music, um, and I want to, I just kind of want to say as a disclaimer, you know, this isn't about defamation. This isn't about hating her or like I said, trying to suck the fun out of life for Christians. This is because I was literally spellbound for like 15 years and I know how dangerous this, this stronghold and this demonic bondage of music, not just Taylor Swift, just of music, of secular mainstream music how it is such a form of demonization. And the same can honestly be said for any other any other artist. And now I'm not saying that everyone that makes music is enslaved to the devil. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, this is this is particularly just like I try and reiterate a million times in my music industry, a satanic episode. This is about the mainstream music industry, the big, big names, the people on the top of the top just like it would be in government, right? The people that are getting involved in local politics, like your neighbor next door, you know, they're not a part of the main, the the massive elite system, just like the people that you know, or, or these smaller artists that have, that are just getting into music. That's not, this, this doesn't, you know, this isn't throwing out the baby with the bathwater, as they say. This is the focus on the, the large of the large, the millionaires, the people that have so much money that we don't, we can't even comprehend it, right? So just, 
putting all, all the things that I know I'm going to get arrows flung at me. I try and just like lay it all out in, in one shot at the beginning of the episode. So there's that. And the same can be true for any of those top artists. Um, you know, people have asked me to do videos about Beyonce and Rihanna, Billie Eilish, all those people. And I really don't have to is the thing because what will be discussed in this episode in this series can hold true for any of them. I'm using Taylor Swift because of the influence that she had in my own life. God delivered me from, from that, that covenant that I had with her. And, you know, she is the most prominent idol for me to smash. Anyone that knows me from before knows that you could not pay to find someone who was more obsessed with Taylor Swift than I was. I mean, I'm literally going to show you guys a picture now. This is me dressed up on Halloween of 2018 as Taylor Swift. And as you can see in this photo, I literally look like a demon. I literally look like a demon, and that's because I was being severely, demonically oppressed at the time. Severely. Um, but that being said, you know, she's just a large part of my testimony, honestly. Uh, as the Lord made me a new creation, praise God, praise him, and that he's been sanctifying me over the last year and a half. As I said, he's delivered me from the evil that is secular music and the the bondage that I was that I was enslaved to because of Taylor Swift, honestly. And I do have an entire episode already on the on the entirety of the music industry itself. So if you haven't listened to that already, it would probably be a really great prerequisite prerequisite for you to listen to that one before this one because I do reference it and it is just really solid, useful information to have in your back pocket in general. And also it's going to make more sense listening to this series on Taylor Swift specifically if you have that context. But anyway... Um, I, I recently posted a reel. So if you're on Instagram, I posted a reel surrounding the era's tour that Taylor Swift is currently on. Um, if you're listening to this in real time, it is April, 2023. And so that reel was really surrounding the witchcraft of Taylor Swift, which I am going to talk about, um, with, you know, in part two, as I mentioned moments ago, but in part one, I'm going to share a bit about this testimony that I have with Taylor Swift. For those who don't know much, I'm going to compare her lyrics to God's word to showcase the rebellion in her lyricism and discuss the verifiable mind control that the government has and does use that plays a prominent role in our fleshly addiction to Taylor Swift and secular music in general. Okay, so just to share a really quick rundown on my experience with Taylor Swift and kind of my testimony coming out of that. Um, I don't want to spend too much time talking about myself, but maybe some of you can relate to this. I've been a Taylor Swift fan since I was in high school. I've always struggled historically with my relationships. I mean, literally, <laughs> until I got saved, I just struggled with relationships constantly. I was always getting involved with with bad men. And I had a really, I had a victim complex. I truly did. And the thing is, listening to Taylor Swift's music constantly always affirmed my victim complex. It always affirmed my victim complex. It made an idol of fantasy. It made an idol of heartbreak. It made an idol of 
of my suffering, right? It's like I was suffering so bad and I wanted to continue indulging in that suffering. And so I would listen to her music as a way to both to both make myself feel worse and also make myself feel better. It's really, really strange dynamic that music holds. And, you know, the music itself encouraged me to sin. Now, I do want to say, look, I'm not blaming Taylor Swift for the way that I was living. I'm not blaming her because that was my choice. Those were my choices that I made when I was unfaithful to my partner with emotional affairs and when I was unfaithful to him just in my mind, fantasizing about other men and all these things. You know, that those were my choices and I, I take full ownership for that. I've repented for all of it. So two things can be mutually inclusive and it is mutually inclusive to say that I was a wretch and that Taylor Swift tempted me to be wretched, okay? So there's that because that was one of the criticisms I got that I was shifting the blame on her. That's not what this is about. Um, you know, the Lord's Prayer says, lead us not into temptation for a reason. It's because there are things that are tempting. Deliver us from evil. It's because there are things that are evil that we need to be delivered from. Anyway, the more I indulged in her music over the years, the more... I broke the heart of the man who loved me most, who was my boyfriend then, is my fiance now. And it was because, you know, a, a big part of that was because her music was always enticing me toward like the twin flame fantasy, which is Taylor's own description of the Red album. She called it, she specified it's like about, you know, that twin flame love. And, you know, I know now that the whole twin flame myth is just a part of like the new age um, baloney baloney, um, you know, smorgasbord of lies. But that was all, that was all that I was, I was obsessed with was this idea of having a twin flame. Right. And I, and I thought I had several of them and they were always guys that treated me literally like garbage. But of course that was like a symptom of the twin flame connection. Right. So it made sense and it was something that I could justify and Taylor Swift's music justified it. So it was just like constant heartbreak and suffering and just, my feelings, my feelings, my feelings, my feelings. It was all about my feelings all the freaking time. And I became more overtly sexual than ever when the Reputation album specifically specifically came out. Uh, that's when I really became out of control with lust. I developed this kind of like quote unquote goddess energy where I had like an all powerful, sexy, almost masculine energy that my flesh was just thriving in. And the, 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 the spirits that were demonizing me were just, were just so at home in that, in that kind of body. Um, I very much had that like feminist mindset that I was a queen to be worshipped, that I could have any guy I wanted. I could do anything with any guy that I wanted. And overall, it was just like this very dominatrix type lifestyle, you know, even down to my wardrobe. If you've seen all those old pictures of me where I always had the dog collar on and that's what I'll call it now because that's what it is back then. I'm like, it's just my cool choker. No, it was like literally a dog collar that I would wear all the time, even to work. Like how inappropriate is that? Right. But you know, I was acting like this. I was living like this. I was dressing like this. Even when I was in a relationship, even when I was in a relationship, all the while, Taylor Swift is my favorite artist. She is my Lord and Savior. And yes, that's something I actually used to say, which makes me sick. But anyway, Lover, the, the album Lover, Folklore, Evermore, particularly like these three, Reputation, um, because this was like as I was getting older, you know, always had me in this like fantasy land. 
Um, and a lot of it was surrounding this one particular guy. And as I say, the twin flame thing, I thought he was my twin flame. And astrologically speaking, he and I were always like the perfect match. The astrology always affirmed the relationship that we should have because I was a Gemini and he was a Sagittarius. We were born almost like exactly opposite days, um, like six months apart. It was literally like a perfect match astrologically speaking, whereas the astrological relationship with the person who's now my fiance, who is now a child of God, just like me, and we're we're entering into a covenant with God together in seven days as I record this, like crazy how God works and the miracles that he performs. But anyway, I almost threw away like the, the will that God had for my life back when I was in New Age, when I was obsessed with Taylor Swift. I was obsessed with this other dude. I was just obsessed with him. Um, we did we did drugs together, and and I thought it was like this like most spiritually connective experience of my life. And of course, I just indulged in Taylor's music over and over and over. I mean, my entire life was playing out like a Taylor Swift song when it came to this emotional affair that I was having with this dude, who, by the way, was also in a relationship. Um, Specifically songs that come to mind like Cruel Summer, I Think He Knows, The One, The One especially, Exile, August, August big time, Illicit Affairs, Cardigan, like Gold Rush, Ivy, all these songs. And all these songs that I was listening to always justified wanting to leave my partner, again, who was my current fiance. And it was because of my own selfish fleshly desires. It was because of the temptation that I was being led into from the evil that I needed to be delivered from. And of course, like I didn't know any better. So instead of going to God or going to scripture, what the Bible says about love, I was going to Taylor Swift. And that right there, I want to just highlight that. That is a huge problem in our culture is that young women, young women are forming their definition of love based on Taylor Swift lyrics. Based on Taylor Swift's lifestyle, based on her political views, based on her performances, they are forming an idea of what love is based on Taylor Swift, not from what the Bible says. And so these songs like Exile, Mad Woman, My Tears Ricochet, Tolerate It, Happiness, Champagne Problems, if you're familiar with them, you know what they're like. The one song, Champagne Problems, particularly, right? I had been engaged at this point where I'm still fantasizing about this other dude, okay, who at that point I did kind of, I did cut ties off with speaking to wise, but he was always in my mind because, you know, I had that whole mindset like, oh, we're, we're twin flames, we're connected, we're always going to have like telepathy. It's so toxic. Champagne Problems, that song, it's about, it's about, um, someone who gets proposed to and then rejects the proposal because it's just not meant to be, you know? Um, and I would listen to that song and think about the person who's my fiance, who I'm about to marry. And this is all before I got saved for the record. I don't have any doubts. There is nothing that I am more excited for than to walk down that aisle to him <laughs> and say, I do before the Lord. Like there is nothing I have ever wanted more and that's because God renewed my heart he just completely renewed my heart and back then I couldn't say that you know I was afraid to get married that's why you know before we got we both got saved it took so long for us to actually make wedding plans is because even though we were engaged I still wasn't sure um I I was always going back back and forth in my mind like oh what if I can have this what if I can have that in my life like you know it's just 
And it was just perpetuated by these songs over and over and over. And so by the time Midnight's came out, her most recent album, I was saved at this point. Midnight's is the is is the album that was first released, other than like the remakes that she's been doing, um, where I had been walking with the Lord. I, I had been completely redeemed. And my and my fiance had been as well, right? So we're both walking with Christ at the point of the Midnight's release. And so I did listen to it when it came out and it did not hit the same for me at all because I no longer resonated with the lyrics and it was like it was just the it was a huge relief um and all I could hear when I listened to it was was the debauchery the sin the selfishness the selfishness of her lyricism and and I could hear the demonic I could hear the darkness the principalities of darkness I could hear it in the lyrics. I could hear it in her voice. Um, you know, the truth is, when all is said and done, if I had followed where Taylor Swift was leading me for all those years, I, I uh, wouldn't be getting married in a little over a week. And by the time you listen to this, I may actually already be married at that point, which is crazy to think. But on that note... The timing of this episode is especially prominent because rumor has it Taylor Swift and her longtime beau Joe Alwyn have called it quits. And I want to speak to this for a few minutes because I think it is super important given that the premise of this episode is to hopefully convict specifically Christians to crucify their flesh and give up this music forever. Like, I'm just going to say, give up the music forever. Um... Because it truly, it brings no glory to God, and I'm going to prove that with the lyrics, and it does absolutely nothing to amplify our walk with the Lord. When making decisions, we should always be asking ourselves that question. Does this do anything to bring glory to God? If the answer is no, it should be a quick decision. Does this does this amplify my walk with the Lord? If the answer is no, it should be a quick decision. Like it's Again, it's not about legalism. It's about obedience. It's about obedience and preserving that Holy Spirit. Not that the Holy Spirit needs to be preserved, but we need to preserve our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And you're not going to do that by listening to Taylor Swift. I mean, Taylor Swift has been known to dismarriage. And now I want to say something here before I go on. It's not wrong to be a single Christian woman. If you're not married, God doesn't love you any less. That's not what I'm saying. But we do see in the Bible how much God adores marriage, right? So Taylor Swift has been known to dismarriage, and we see that most prominently with her recent album, Midnight's, that I mentioned. And there are two songs that stand out to me specifically. There's Lavender Haze and Midnight Rain. So let's look at the lyrics. At the end of the course of Lavender Haze, she says, and forgive, forgive the language here, she says, no deal, the 1950s, sh- they want from me. I just want to stay in that Lavender Haze. And then some of the second verse is where she says, all they keep asking me is if I'm going to be your bride. The, uh, the only kind of girl they see is a one night or a wife. So we're literally just scratching the surface. I'm going to go through tons of lyrics in this episode, but already with this alone, I really just don't see why or how Christian women can defend their indulgence of this music. I mean, this messaging is in direct opposition of everything the Bible says about women and marriage. Like just, just these two examples here. Um, Taylor's calling marriage 1950s shit as if it's this antiquated, irrelevant concept that no longer has any, any purpose in, in modern life. But this is what the Bible says about marriage. 
Hebrews 13, 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Literally, I could just end the episode here, right? Taylor Swift holds no honor to marriage whatsoever. She holds no honor to marriage whatsoever. But as a Christian woman, as a Christian woman, this is the kind of garbage you're filling your mind with, really? And we see the same thing in her song, Midnight Rain, where she says, he wanted it comfortable. I wanted that pain. He wanted a bride. I was making my own name, chasing that fame. Now to contrast with scripture on quote, chasing that fame that she says that she would rather have than a marriage. Galatians 1.10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Mark 8.36. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Now, Gaining fame, and I just want to say this, gaining, quote, fame, for lack of a better word, for spreading the gospel is one thing. Because we actually do see in scripture that Jesus' fame spread quickly, it says, when people heard of his miracles. Okay, but when it comes to fame for the exaltation of self, when it's all for the gain of self, the word is clear. The word is clear. What does Taylor have to to gain in the whole world in the forf in the forfeit of her soul but that's what she wants she wants to chase the fame um and it's it's unfortunately evident in her lyricism and lifestyle that it's just like a complete rebellion of god's word it's a complete rebellion of god's word um and by the way the word says that rebellion is witchcraft. We're going to talk about this a lot. We're going to get really deep into it later, but it's just something I want you to keep in the back of your mind while you're listening to or watching this is that rebellion is the same as witchcraft. Meanwhile, here's another beautiful verse from the Holy Word on marriage opposing Taylor's stance on wanting to make her own name and never be someone's bride. It says... In Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And a cord of three strands means, of course, husband, wife, God. Um, now, speaking of marriage and mainstream culture and current events re relating to Taylor Swift and her breaking up with her boyfriend of six years, Millie Bobby Brown, who if you're not familiar with that name, she is the Stranger Things girl. She plays the main character in Stranger Things, which I don't watch, but she's the main character, Eleven. Um, I don't really know much about her beyond that, but I do know that she just got engaged and she's 19. Uh, and a lot of what I'm seeing surrounding that is that, oh, she's too young. It's too soon. Is she making a mistake? Like, et cetera. It's all that kind, it's all that kind of rhetoric. And I honestly, 
haven't seen really much positive press surrounding her engagement. Whereas with the Taylor Swift, Joe Alwyn split, yes, the Swifties are quote unquote in mourning about it, but, but there's a stark difference between the way the Millie Bobby Brown engagement versus Taylor Swift and Joe Alwyn's breakup are being advertised. With Taylor, it's just like, oh, she's just encouraged to keep doing her thing. Even though she's literally 33 years old now. And I'm not saying like, oh, her time's over, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, uh, the biological clock is a thing. Most will say that. Um, You're never too old to get married or whatever. I agree. But the thing is like, really? Just how is doing her thing going for her when she's 33 and emotionally is just like in the same place that she was as a 16 year old, essentially. I mean, yeah, she has fame. She has fortune. She has good looks, but she has no one to keep her warm at night. She has no one to keep her warm at night. And those looks are going to fade. The fortune is going to perish. The fame is going to be irrelevant when she is standing before Jesus Christ as all of us will. The fame will be irrelevant. And her cats, by the way, that she's always, that she's so obsessed with, they're going to die in the next 10 years, un- unfortunately. And so are mine. Like, I mean, unfortunately. <laughs> but that's just the truth of it, right? Like, Taylor Swift has really, like, perpetuated that image of the cat lady. Just live alone with your cats. You don't need anyone else. Like, really played into that feminist thing. But she has nothing that Ecclesiastes 4 describes, and that's heartbreaking. And what's worse, and what's worse is that she doesn't have salvation in Christ. Listen to me. Taylor Swift does need prayer, and we will say a prayer for her salvation at the end of this episode. And we will say a prayer for the audience to come against every curse that has been imparted on you guys through her music. But she needs prayer. I, I do want to say that. Let's not forget to pray for these people. You got to think about their fame and fortune. How many people are actually so busy worshiping these celebrities that they never actually get any prayer. They never actually get the attention that they need, which is prayer because we all need prayer. We don't need worship. But anyway, there is just blatant programming through mainstream pop culture that marriage is disposable, right? And that it's better actually to be a 33-year-old quote-unquote empowered woman with billions of dollars and sexy legs and a boss babe career and a hunger to dismantle the patriarchy than it is to be a 19-year-old who's really excited that she just got engaged to someone that she loves and wants to marry young. Like the culture just perpetuates one narrative over the other and Taylor Swift is a part of it. And we have Christian women out here defending their stance, defending their stance on, I can love Jesus and listen to Taylor Swift. Like, yes, that's true. You can, you can love Jesus and do things that he doesn't love. I will say that you shouldn't, but you can. What I'm saying is it it grieves him. It grieves him. It grieves Jesus to do things and to worship people that aren't him, first of all. And it grieves him to, to worship people that disobey him. That are blatantly living in defiance of his order. Of what he has ordained for, for the world. Marriage is a gift from God. And we have our culture out here 
telling Taylor Swift that she's empowered because she's a boss babe with a lot of fame, with a lot of money, with a lot of people that love her and admire her. But guess what? She has no one to keep her warm at night. She has no marriage. She doesn't have Ecclesiastes 4 and she doesn't have salvation in the Lord. And she, she continuously... She continuously has this hunger to just like dismantle the patriarchy. And, you know, we are, we are encouraged to follow suit. We are encouraged to follow suit and to believe that it is better to have all those things and to be all those ways than it is to be a mother or a wife or a caregiver or the Proverbs 31 woman. You know, it says in Proverbs 31:30 that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So if there's any woman that you're going to be praising, it should be one that fears the Lord. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. And those are two things that Taylor banks on, quite literally, since she's a billionaire. So we have Christian women out here, again, praising Taylor Swift when she could not possibly be further opposed from what the Lord describes as a woman actually worthy of praise. And I cannot emphasize this enough, guys. She is an abhorrent example of a role model. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean that objectively through the Christian worldview. Yes, Taylor Swift is made in the image of God, but she does not respect nor honor that. She was made in the image of God, but she has been remade in a demonic image. Because anything that's not God's order is a demonic order. One one or two. One or two. And I know that she's called herself a Christian in the past, I'll acknowledge that now. I know she's called herself a Christian in the past, but there's a difference between claiming Christianity and living Christianity. There's a difference between claiming that you follow Christ and then actually following Christ, right? Well, who are you to judge her? Angela, who who, who are you to judge her? God says we can't judge anyone. Now, of course, if you know the Bible, you know that this is one of the biggest misconceptions on what Christ actually says about judgment. So before we move on, let's just nip that in the bud right here and now, okay? John 7, 24, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Judge with right judgment. We are not commanded not to judge, but rather commanded how to judge. In Matthew, Christ says again to judge with righteous judgment. And the Bible describes the righteous person as just, right? Holding to God and trusting in him. And we see that in Psalms 33. Therefore, when we see a person who is not just, who is not right or righteous before God, who is not holding to God and his order, when we see someone living in blatant rebellion of God, we can, biblically speaking, call that out and more importantly, call them forward to repentance. And like I said, I do honestly pray that Taylor has a radical heart change and that she submits to Christ. I do hope that she repents. I I really do. I hope everyone repents. But the thing is, if she doesn't believe that there is anything to repent for, how can she ever repent? How can she ever repent? If the people who love her, like her fans, for instance, cannot inform her of her sin, cannot, cannot, cannot give that righteous judgment based on God's, God's order, 
and share the gospel with her, then, then who will? Who will do it? Maybe by the grace of God, Taylor will see this and be convicted of her sin. Because the thing is, I'm not making this podcast because I hate her. I just want to be clear about that. This isn't like a, ha ha, gotcha, Taylor's a witch. Maybe it came off that way in the reel and I apologize for that. That's not my intention. I don't hate her. I really don't. I grieve her influence. I grieve her messaging and I grieve her promiscuity and I grieve her rebellion. But I do not hate her. I love her. But I love her the way Christ commands us to love. Not in the obsessive idolatry way that I used to. And if you're still dealing with that, we're going to pray against it. But I know a lot of Christians, I'm speaking to the love because I know a lot of Christians that listen to her music will say that, but that that they love her, right, as a way to justify listening to her music. But I'm going to be honest here because love tells the truth and I love all of you. Okay, if you really love her, if you really love Taylor Swift, listen to me. The most loving thing that you can do for her other than pray is to starve her of her fame. Because her fame is ultimately straying her further away from God's will and God's way. She is a cog in the machine, guys. She's a cog in the machine of the satanic agenda of mainstream culture. And that's not me being conspiratorial. Honestly, we need to grow up and leave the word conspiracy theory, this, that term, we need to leave it in the dust because scripture verifies repeatedly that we are in a spiritual war. I mean, the Bible literally says that Satan is the prince of this world. Right. And to reinstate the thesis of this two part series of should Christians listen to Taylor Swift, we're going to go back to Ephesians 2. I'm going to repeat it here. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the prince of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Okay. Guys, Taylor Swift's lyrics and lifestyle are evidence of her disobedience to God. And it says right there in the word that this spirit is at work in those who are disobedient. Do you see what I'm getting at here? Remember how I said rebellion is a form of witchcraft according to the word? So... By crucifying your flesh and giving up her music, you are starving her disobedience. You are starving that witchcraft and that rebellion. You're starving her disobedience to God. Thus, you are starving Satan. You are starving that spirit that is at work in those who are disobedient. And you are starving the enemy of his power. You're literally starving the demons, both hers and yours, when you starve the flesh. And you can do all that by just deleting her music from your phone. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Wow. The power we have over the spirit realm in the name of Jesus. Romans 7, 18 tells us that no good thing dwells in the flesh. So, so everything I just described is literally the embodiment of that. Okay. But Angela, Angela, Taylor said that she's a Christian. She said that she's a Christian in, in the Miss Americana documentary. So, so how can you say that Satan is at work in her or that there are spirits using her with a demonic agenda when she has said that she's a Christian? 
Because, beloved, Scripture says that we will know them by their fruits, right? She may claim Christianity, although I doubt she would presently, and she may have actually grown up Christian by a Christian family, but the fruit of her life looks absolutely nothing like Jesus. Come on here. Come on. She brags about sex outside of marriage. Lavender Hayes, there's some songs. Lavender Hayes, False God, and Dress. Just as three quick examples, right? She brags about sex outside of marriage. She stands up for homosexuality and drag queens, and she actually directly targets Christian values. We see that in the song, You Need to Calm Down. She has a transgender-identified person as her love interest in the Lavender Hayes music video, directly against God's order. She has actual drag queens on stage performing with her during this era's tour. She cusses all the time. She sings about revenge and has even said in interviews that she doesn't think forgiveness is necessary to move on. You don't have to forgive and you don't have to forget to move on. You can move on without any of those things happening. Now, scripture says... For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Matthew 6, 14. So no, I, I really, look, I really don't care that she claims Christianity. I care about her fruit. And she has bad fruit. She has bad fruit. As Christian women, as Christian women, as Proverbs 31 women, this is not someone that we should be admiring entertaining, indulging in, or making our our daughters susceptible to. Period, guys. Period. Let's take a look at some of these lyrics um, to the aforementioned songs just for greater context. We did Lavender Haze, so let's take False God, which actually comes from the Lover album. And so... A lot of the feedback that I get regarding Taylor Swift, especially after that reel I posted on Instagram, was from people saying, well, look, I don't listen to Reputation. I don't listen to Reputation, not the, not the Dark album. I don't listen to her three recent albums. And I, I really just like this Lover album, right? Because it has that sweet song on it. Um, so to which my response is, okay, so you listen to the Lover album. So you mean the, you mean the album where she talks about sex as a god? You mean the album where she tells Christians that they need to calm down and let gay people be gay? You mean that one? So, false god, right? The lyrics. Religions in your lips. Even if it's a false god, we'd still worship. We might just get away with it. The altar is my hips. Even if it's a false god, we'd still worship this love. I can't believe I used to sing these words. That's, that's part of the chorus, and the, the second verse following that is, I know heaven's a thing, I go there when you touch me. Honey, hell is when I fight with you. But we can patch it up good, make confessions, and we're begging for forgiveness. Got the wine for you. I mean, honestly, this speaks for itself. It makes a mockery of Jesus' blood, of confessing sin and forgiveness, of heaven, of worship, and it blatantly makes the case that even if this love and sex is idolatry, they're going to worship it anyway because it's just that good. That's demonic, guys. That's demonic. So on that note, right, let's see what the Bible says about false gods. 
Exodus 34, 14. You shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. So, I mean, that's that's pretty clear, right? Oh, oh, but this is the album. This is the album that Christians justify as the okay one to listen to. Because it has some soft songs and soft album artwork, which is baby pink and baby blue, transgender colors. Um, mind program with <laughs> mind programming with colors is a whole other can of worms appropriate for a conversation at another time. So we'll talk about that later. But speaking of worms, the early bird gets the worm. As they say, similarly, the subscriber of this podcast gets first dibs on new episodes. And that was a really poor transition, I know, but I tried. So subscribe to Heaven and Healing Podcast if you haven't already done so. It's available on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Ring the bell if you're watching on YouTube so that you always have access to those notifications right away when a new episode is released. Give it a like, leave a comment. And give it a five-star rating and written review on whatever platform you listen to specifically because it just really helps get this into more people's ears. Share the podcast with a friend. Post it on Instagram. Tag me in your story so that I see it. I'm at Angela Marie Uchi on Instagram. It's my only account. And yeah, that way I can personally thank you and we can just continue to plant seeds for the kingdom of God together. Anyway, I've gotten a lot of people telling me that I'm overreacting or I'm looking too much into it, but I'm literally not. I'm literally not. I'm I'm holding, you know, holding stuff like this to the word is not reaching. It's not legalistic and it's not an overreaction. It's the fulfillment of God's command to love him with all of our heart and mind. We have to think about these things. We have to be conscious of what we are filling our minds with when God commands us to love all of him with all of our mind. Beloved, you are singing along with these songs. Again, I have a whole episode on the music industry already and the correlation of words with the sound of music itself and the frequencies. So please, if you haven't already, I implore you to go check that out. But... Focusing here specifically on on the words right now, on her lyricism, this is what the Bible says, okay? Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. I'm going to say it again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 13, 3, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin, right? Matthew 12, 37, for by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. And so you can see my critique is not according to myself. It's according to God. It's not just a song. They are not just lyrics. They are not just words. But that mindset is exactly the kind of lie that Satan would love for you to fall victim to believing. Well, I'm covered by the grace of God. I can listen to this. It's fine. I'm covered by the grace of God. 
because I'm using some context, some verse out of context where, you know, Paul's actually talking about sacrificing meat to idols. I'm covered by the grace of God. It doesn't have to mean that for me. Okay, show me one verse, show me one verse in the Bible where it states that we are at whim to take advantage of that grace that we are covered in. Show me one verse. Covered in the blood is not a hall pass to live like the world. It's a privilege, beloved. It's a privilege to have redemption from the world. It's a privilege to be covered in that grace. Don't take advantage of it, of him. Come on. I know you love him. I know you love Jesus. Don't take advantage of him. Now, I can't go through literally every song on every album because we'd be here for like six years. Um, Like I said at the beginning, when I was preparing this episode, I realized that I could write a 200-page dissertation on Taylor Swift, but that's neither here nor there. Let me point out another song on this album, Lover, and it's called Cruel Summer. So this is one of the songs that I was very enchanted by when I when it came to this other guy before that I mentioned was my twin flame who I had an emotional affair with um, when I was in New Age. Let's look at it because there's more religious imagery in this song. This song that is a part of the album that Christians say is the good one to listen to, of course, right? So Taylor sings, Killing Me Slow out the window. I'm always waiting for you to be waiting below. Devils roll the dice. Angels roll their eyes. What doesn't kill me makes me want you more. And it's new, the shape of your body. It's blue, the feeling I got. And it's ooh, whoa, oh. (laughs) It's a cruel summer. It's cool. That's what I tell them. No rules in breakable heaven. It's a cruel summer with you. So there's an acknowledgement in these lyrics that devils are behind the orchestration of this romance with who she calls is a bad, bad boy within the first 30 seconds of the song, by the way. And toward the end of the song, one of the lyrics is, he looks up grinning like a devil. So this whole song just orbits around the idea that this dude she's falling in love with as they fornicate in secret is devilish and she can't resist him. I mean, that's, that's the summary of the song. And it reminds me of 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, where it says even Satan can masquerade as an angel of light. Because Taylor's music overall just has this pattern of perpetuating the bad boy as the one worth having. And thus, it quite literally brings that scripture to life, right? Because it's like the bad boy is the one that you want, is the one that you're going to fall in love with and be with forever. How's that going for? Um, So, beloved, please hear me when I tell you that this is textbook demonic assignment. This is textbook demonic assignment to make you fall in love with a bad boy. That's why they, they in like shows like Lucifer, they make, they make the devil this like really attractive guy, right? And now tell me as a Christian, or it really is anyone, tell me how this is productive music to indulge in. Please tell me. Please tell me. You, you, you can't. And, and I get it. Like, I used to listen to the song on repeat. I even sent it to that guy that I mentioned after a night where we had gone, gotten together and drank whiskey in his car while we both had someone at home waiting for us. 
you know, never touching each other. So it was okay. But it was just talking about our forbidden feelings as if that's much better. But, you know, the thing is, like, Taylor made it okay for me. And I used to say really messed up stuff. Like, it's like she's on the inside of my soul writing her music from the depths of my heart. It's very poetic, right? Um, I mean, she just justified all the worst parts of me. She justified my sins. She justified my promiscuity. She justified my adultery. And again, even though I wasn't married, I was still coming home to someone. Um, she justified the works of my flesh. She, she made it okay for me. She made it okay for me. And again, the truth is, if I had continued to follow where Taylor Swift was leading me, I probably wouldn't be getting married in a little over a week. Our wedding is April 25th, 2023. Please say a prayer for myself and my fiance. Um, and again, I just, for the record, I'm not blaming Taylor Swift for my transgressions. I'm not blaming Taylor Swift for my transgressions. Mutually inclusive to say I was a wretch and she tempted me to be wretched. Um, now, that being said, I understand that my experience is not everyone's experience, but you can just you can just in no way, shape, or form justify this kind of music or the behavior it encourages as, as a Christian. You just can't. It speaks against everything that scripture says about holiness, about sex, about love, about heaven and the devil, painting the devil as, as an attractive, sexy, bad boy that you want to go sleep with and fall in love with. And remember, this is all from the Lover album, still, that, the Christ, that Christians say this was the okay one to listen to. So before moving on from Lover on that note, I have to highlight the song You Need to Calm Down, which is a song written on behalf of allegiance to the alphabet community. It's all about the LGBTQ community. Um, the lyrics say, sunshine on the street at the parade, like the gay parade, but you would rather be in the dark age. So it implies here that if you don't support gay rights, you're living in the dark ages. Christian, she's talking to you. She is talking to you. <laughs> she's telling you that you live in the dark ages. She's coming at your Bible. She is coming at your Bible. Why are you defending her when she blatantly mocks your values, your God, and his word? Why? In the You Need to Calm Down music video, she portrays Christians, and I'll put it on the screen. She portrays Christians protesting gay marriage as smelly, sweaty, unintelligent hillbillies with missing teeth holding signs with words spelled incorrectly. So that's the representation she gives of you, of your values that your God has ordained. But you want to sit there and defend her in my DMs, right? You want to pay thousands of dollars, thousands, literally thousands of dollars to see her in concert. You want to call your brothers and sisters in Christ retarded for speaking against this, which I'm not going to name drop the person that did this, but she's a major Christian influencer. And one of my followers sent her my reel on Taylor Swift and she called it retarded. So you're going to call your brothers and sisters in Christ retarded for speaking against someone who mocks Christian values as a Christian. That's what you're going to do. My point is, so what you're going to, you're going to see her live Saturday night. You're going to see her live and all her blasphemy Saturday night and then sleep through church Sunday morning. Is that it? You're going to do that for this woman who walks in rebellion of God and mocks you. This woman who does not know nor care about you and will not flinch or even know if you drop dead tomorrow. Not to, not to be so crass, but it's true. If you drop dead tomorrow, Taylor Swift would not know. You know who would know? The Lord. You'd rather defend her music and remain steadfast to her music than the Lord, your God, who stitched you in your mother's womb. Is that it? I say this in, in a convicting love, guys. Because God, 
The Lord knows every hair on your head. His, the word says he knows every hair on your head. The word says he sent his only son so that you, you and me may not perish, but have everlasting life. And, and I'm speaking in this firm tone because this is the same firm tone of love, by the way, that Jesus spoke to the Pharisees when he wanted them to recognize the wickedness of their ways and just accept him and live for him and not what they thought they knew. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. I'm telling you guys, giving up Taylor Swift, giving up secular music, giving up all the secular crap really is the narrow road that leads to life. And justifying it by saying things like, well, all music is like that now. That that doesn't... that." That doesn't make it any better. If anything, it just speaks to the nature of how easily accessible the broad road is. How easily accessible the broad road of destruction truly is. And it gives evidence of all the more reason you should avoid walking it. Scripture calls you to be set apart. First Peter says that you are a chosen race for his, for the Lord's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. So look, no, I don't care how talented she is. I don't care how catchy the music is. Trust me, I know it's catchy. I know it's catchy. That's intentional too, but that's neither here nor there. I don't care that you've been listening to her since you were 12. You know what I do care about? Revelation 3 verses 15 through 16, where Jesus says, I know your works. You were neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's what I care about. I care about what Jesus says in 1 John Two, in the same verses, actually, uh, 15 through 16, where it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the father, but is from the world. Christian, pick up your cross and follow him as your gospel instructs you. Give up the secular music. Give up the demonic entertainment and the music industry that hates you and hates your God. And remember that Taylor Swift is a cog in the machine of this industry that overtly worships Satan. Overtly. And like, we see that in, we just saw that in the Grammys, right? There's an overt worship of Satan. Do you see Taylor speaking out against that? No. Not whatsoever. She's contributing to it with her own performances, but more on that later. And by the way, you can apply all of this, everything that I'm saying, you can apply all of the above to your Netflix shows, your video games, your whatever else. You can apply copy and paste. But moving on, I'm going to continue proving that she is contributing to the rebellion against God, which by the way, witchcraft, um, through her lyricism. 
And this is going to start to get into some of the darker aspects too, as I want to discuss reputation next, but I'm really going to dive into reputation in part two of this series because there's just a lot to cover overall. I've covered a lot already and I don't want to overwhelm you with like two, three hour episodes. So I just thought it's better to break it up, but we're going to dip our toes in reputation right now. And to that, I will say that this is where we see a very evident shift in Taylor's, in her music and in her overall vibe, for lack of a better word. And there's something very important to discuss before we go there. Okay. Yes, this is where we can, we can really identify the shift, but just because something is not overt to begin with, doesn't mean that it was not there to begin with. Remember that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. Remember that demons are master manipulators. Remember that the higher ups and the government, um, you know, the higher ups of, of government and the entertainment industry, they are constantly working against you. And whether or not you want to believe it, Taylor Swift has always been a negative in influence. I know that's an unpopular opinion, but whether or not you want to believe it, she's always been a cog in the machine. They wouldn't have let her get that big if that wasn't the plan from the start. She's always been a part of the demonic agenda perpetuated by the entertainment industry overall. When she first came onto the scene, she was being groomed by the industry right from the gate, guys. And there's no doubt about it. Anyone that they, like I said, quote, let that famous to the degree that she's at, like the biggest pop star in the world, basically, it's because they want her in that spotlight for a very sinister reason. And it's because they hate you and they hate God and they hate his word. John 14, 30 says, or the ruler of the, the ruler of the world is coming and he has nothing in me. Beloved, that's the devil. That's the antichrist spirit. Those are the demons. Those are the principalities of darkness. The Bible literally refers to Satan as the God of this age, as the prince of this world, as the ruler of the world multiple times. When, when the devil tempted Jesus, he offered him the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus did not say those aren't yours to offer. He did not say those are not yours to offer. So what this all tells us is that those who are at the top, who are also the quote rulers, have nothing in Christ. And that's according to scripture. That's Hollywood, guys. That's government. Two sides of the same coin. The rulers of culture, the rulers of policy, the rulers of entertainment, the rulers of rules, right? All at the work in the hand of Satan. Actual demons, actual demons running amok. And that's, again, by God's word, not my own understanding. It says here, I will, it, then it says, I will return to my house from which I came, the demon says. And when it comes, the demon, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. That's Matthew 12, verses 44 through 47, where Jesus is describing what happens when an unclean spirit is cast out without the Holy Spirit. And so this is in the context of demons. And so you see, the more we have banished God from our culture, the more we have taken him out of schools, out of our government, out of our music, out of our media, out of all of that. We have just sucked any semblance of the Holy Spirit out of all of that. 
Because by the way, with music particularly, the word says that the purpose of music is to give praise to the Lord. So when we suck out God from all of that, from all of it, we are literally granting access for these demonic entities to come with vengeance. They see the house is clean and swept and put in order. So it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself with it. That's what's happening in the world right now. That's what's happening right now. And whatever is cast away without being replaced with God, without being filled with the Holy Spirit, his word says here, seven more return. And that's what's playing out before our eyes. Guys, when we go from this image of teardrops on my guitar to this image of look what you made me do, it's seven more spirits over and over and over, just constantly entering in throughout the course of her career. And by the time we get to the Reputation album, it's just obvious at that point. But we've been so desensitized that we don't care. We've been so blinded by the enemy that we don't care. We'll talk more about this in part two. But I want you to just keep it in mind as I go on. Just like I hope that you're remembering that rebellion is witchcraft. Because the thing is, this is all connected. What I discussed in the intro of this part of the series, all about Ephesians 2, it's all connected. The worldliness and the demonic coincide. The flesh and the demonic coincide, okay? So they, the higher-ups, they had an intention with Taylor Swift from the beginning. Whether or not it was something she was aware of then, and I will say, like, it's, yeah, it's very likely that she as a young girl probably had no idea what she was signing herself to. That's what MKUltra does. Yes, I'm going there. MK Ultra makes the victim at the beck and call of the handler so that they are not the own, which by the way, no coincidence sounds exactly like demonic possession. And at this point, however, I do genuinely believe that Taylor has has been so desensitized to all of this um, and that she has been overtaken by so many unclean spirits um, that she genuinely has fallen in love with the darkness and with the demons um, that she likely refers to as goddesses. Um, and I do think that, I do think she is to a point aware of what she's doing. I think that it's kind of blatant at this point in the Eras tour. Back then though, probably not. Probably not back then. Um, and that's another reason she desperately needs our prayers. But right now, let me take you guys back to her first album. Pause for water. Her very first album is covered with butterflies. Okay, this is going to all make sense in a minute it's with the MK Ultra thing. It's covered with butterflies. They're in her music videos. And I'm showing pictures if you can't, if you're listening, I'm showing pictures on the screen. They're in her music videos. And as her career developed, she even had a butterfly mural painted in her honor. And before I go there, I, I'm going to just be clear and say, look, I'm not saying, I, what I'm not saying is... Every time you see a butterfly, that it's symbolism for something. That's not what I'm saying. I do think that there, that there can be a thing as looking for symbolism to a fault. And I have done that, I will say. But the caveat to that is that this is significant because when it comes to Hollywood, particularly, when it comes to the entertainment industry, particularly, there is no such thing as an accident, especially when we know from scripture that Satan is the father of lies. 
So, that being said, you can call this speculative all you want and conspiratorial all you want, but the truth of the matter is, here we go, monarch programming is real. It is a real method of mind control used by numerous organizations for covert purposes and is often associated with satanic ritual abuse, also known as SRA. Um, monarch programming, right? It is, is a continuation of the project MK ultra, which if you're not familiar with MK ultra, and I do talk about this in the satanic, in the music industry, a satanic episode, which is why I hope you did listen to that. MK ultra is a mind control program literally developed by the CIA and tested on the military and civilians. Uh, the creation of a mind controlled slave can with MK Ultra be triggered at any time. And it, it the the creation of the mind controlled slave can be triggered at any time in order to perform an action required by the handler. Right? So while mass media just conveniently ignores this issue, it's actually confirmed that over two million Americans have gone through the horrors of this program. And many testimonies have come out that confirm the demonic nature behind this mind control. So you can literally look this up and verify it yourself, actually from government websites. Um, now, of course, the government websites aren't going to mention, mention the demons, but uh, the testimonies do. Um, Intelligence.senate.gov literally has a 173-page document all about MK Ultra, which I will link in the show notes, along with an archived document by Ron Patton, who is a professor of control and intelligence systems engineering. And his document is uh, specifically about monarch programming, which is the extension of MK Ultra, where he leaves a ton of additional resources for you to look into in the footnotes of that document. Um, stick with me here. I know it's a lot. So here is what I'm going to put this on the screen. Here is what Ellen P. Lactor, a psychologist says in her writings about the relationship between mind control program and, and ritual abuse. Okay. So it says trauma-based mind control can, I'm sorry, trauma-based mind control programming can be defined as systemic torture that blocks Systematic torture that blocks the victim's capacity for conscience processing, such as, and they do this through things such as pain, terror, drugs, illusion, sensory deprivation, sensory overstimulation, oxygen deprivation, cold, heat, spinning around, literally spinning them around circles, brain stimulation, and often near-death experiences. So it blocks the victim's capacity for conscience processing and then employs suggestion and or classical operant conditioning consistent with well-established behavioral modification principles to implant thoughts, directives, and perceptions in the unconscious mind, often in newly formed trauma-induced disassociated identities that thus force the victim to do, feel, think, or perceive things for the purposes of the programmer or the handler, we can say. The objective is for the victim to follow directives with no conscious awareness, including execution of acts in clear violation of the victim's moral principles, spiritual convictions, and volition. 
Installation of mind control programming relies on the victim's capacity to disassociate, which permits the creation of new walled-off personalities to hold and hide programming. Already dissociative children are prime candidates for programming. So I know that was a lot, okay? There is, with all that being said, there is a lot of evidence that so many celebrities that we see in Hollywood and in the industry are victims of MK Ultra. And we even heard that confirmed by Kanye. You know, take Kanye or leave him, but it's a lot to what the guy says. And so the reason that this would be, the reason that this would be, that this that any of this would be a thing within Hollywood and the music industry, right? It would be particularly to usher in the satanic new world order. Um, I'm just, I'm just going there because it's true. I mean, it literally says new world order on the dollar bill in your pocket. So don't call me a conspiracy theorist for just talking about what's true. This is literally CIA documentation. And so to that point, to that point, you know, cause this all does sound like demonic possession as well, which it, it all coincides, as I said, um, the very fact that this is trauma-based mind control, MK ultra is trauma-based mind control. And now see demons, right? enter through trauma, that's no coincidence. That's no coincidence there. And so to that point now, to the point to the point, <laughs> is where do girls go when they experience trauma? Taylor Swift music. Something to chew on, right? So... Now the thing, all right, ready? So, okay, the Bible tells us, and again, stick with me. The Bible tells us in Revelation 3.20 that Jesus himself will stand before us and knock on our doors to see if we are willing to open up that door and allow him to come into our lives. In order for Jesus to come into our lives, into our hearts, we have to, we have to be willing to give him our, our direct permission to be able to do so. Because we know that God will never force himself on any of us. He wants us to love him, to choose him. And so it's the exact same thing with demons. Demons cannot enter in on the inside of a person unless they do something specific, the person on their end, to open the door for them to be able to come in. And that something specific will thus be the legal right. Okay? So keep that in your mind as I go on. Ron Patton, who I already mentioned, says on his writings of Project Monarch, says, one of the primary reasons that the Monarch, particularly mind control programming, was named Monarch Programming was because of the Monarch Butterfly. The Monarch Butterfly learns where it was born and it passes this knowledge via genetics onto its offspring from generation to generation. This was one of the key animals that tipped scientists off, scientists off, that knowledge can be passed genetically. The monarch program is based upon Illuminati and Nazi goals to create a master race in part through genetics. If knowledge can be passed genetically, which it is, then it is important that parents be found that can pass the correct knowledge Onto those, onto those victims selected for the monarch mind control. 
When a person is undergoing trauma induced by electroshock, a feeling of lightheadedness is evidenced as if one is floating or fluttering like a butterfly. There is also a symbolic representation pertaining to the transformation or metamorphosis of this beautiful insect from a caterpillar to cocoon, from dormancy to activity, right? To a butterfly, which is a new creation, you hear that word? Which will return to its point of origin. So, okay, I really hope you're sticking with me. Basically, the point of this is to create a split personality in the victim, that, that's the whole point of the mind control thing with the, with the monarch programming particularly because you go from you go from the dormant state, which is the, the person that you were, to the butterfly, to the new creation that they want you to be. Um, it, so it creates that split. It creates that split where the abuser can control the persona of the victim. That is literally like textbook demon. It is textbook demon. Now, one more, one more thing from this. Stick with me. <laughs> It says, dissociation is thus achieved by traumatizing the subject, the victim, using systematic abuse and using terrifying occult rituals. Now, we all know that occult rituals, this is me talking, that occult rituals bring in the demonic. Okay, so reading on. Once a split in the core personality occurs, an internal world can be created and alter personas can be used, I'm sorry, once a split in the core personality occurs, an internal world can be created and alter personas can be programmed using tools such as music, movies, especially Disney productions, and fairy tales. These visual and audio aids enhance the programming process using images, symbols, meanings, and concepts. Created alters can then be accessed using trigger words or symbols programmed into the subject's psyche by the handler. Some of the most common internal images seen by mind control slaves are Kabbalistic tree of life, infinity loops, ancient symbols and letters, spider webs, mirrors, glass shattering, masks, <laughs> masks, huh? Think 2020, castles, mazes, demons, Butterflies, back to her album artwork, hourglasses, clocks, and robots. These symbols are commonly inserted in popular culture movies and videos for two reasons, to desensitize the majority of the population using subliminals and neuro-linguistic programming and to deliberately construct specific triggers and keys for base programming of highly impressionable monarch children. Okay, so that was a long way around the barn, I know. But what am I getting at? Is it possible that Taylor Swift and other celebrities are victims of MKUltra? Absolutely. Is it possible that they are not? I mean, I, I guess. But, but this take is, is way less likely. I mean, wouldn't you agree at this point? And on, on the topic of possibilities, this podcast would not be possible without your support. And I just want to thank you so much for both your prayers and your generous giving. It would not be possible for me to sustain this podcast without those prayers and without that generous giving. And so that being said, with a humble heart, I say that if you feel led to sow into the heaven and healing ministry, it is a huge blessing to me and the time and energy and effort that I put into these episodes for you guys. And you can do so. You can sow into the ministry. You can partner with me financially at donorbox.org 
slash heaven dash healing dash podcast dash ministry. You can also Venmo me directly at Angela, Angela Marie Ucci. Although I will say that donor box is definitely much more preferred. And if you're not, if you're not into that, if you're not into the financial contributions, please pray for me. It really does mean a lot. And if you do contribute financially, just know that I see your your generous heart of giving and I just thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You have no idea what a blessing it is when you when you financially partner with me. So, moving on, what we conclude, what we can conclude based on the evidence, all those documents that I just read aloud to you is that this actually verifiably exists, right? MK Ultra is a thing. The Monarch programming is a thing. It has been done. It is being done. Okay. There are literally millions of global verified testimonies that MK Ultra survivors um or from MK Ultra survivors rather. And look, we can see that before our eyes like we can see the programming that plays out in music and in television and in performances i mean guys the television is literally called a tell a vision the tv programs are called programs so no speaking of possibilities i don't think that this is unlikely i keep saying that taylor swift is a cog in the machine and maybe a better definition would be a puppet um that she's a she's she's a puppet to the demonic and wh- why I really wanted to highlight that is because we are intended to be the puppets too. They use these artists that have been demonically mind-controlled to demonically mind-control us. Because this is how we give the demonic a legal right to us. Okay, see, is it, it's all starting to make sense now, Right? Just like Jesus stands on the door and knocks and we invite him in because that's what free will is. We have to give the demonic permission. We have to give them a legal right. And so if they can constantly fill our minds with this kind of stuff like Taylor Swift's music and speak to our innately sinful nature in the lyricism and mess with the frequencies of the music itself to, to program us subliminally, and if they can use the, the performances and the lyrics to just indulge the flesh over and over to the point where we're literally falling in love with it and creating a covenant with the principalities that orchestrate it all, then they have that right. The demonic has that right. They mess with our beta, alpha, theta, and delta waves. They, they do that for different levels of this programming. And again, I talk a lot about the scientific aspects of behind this in the music industry, a satanic episode. So for like the third time, I implore you to listen to that. Um, and look, I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you any of this to make you afraid or paranoid. That's not the point. My point is Proverbs 4 verses 20 through 22. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Essentially, what this means in Proverbs is that we need to be conscious of what we watch and hear on a regular basis. God tells us to guard what we hear, what we see, and what is in our hearts. 
He wants us to have our ears full of the gracious words of Jesus and our eyes full of the presence of Jesus and our hearts meditating on what we have heard and seen in Jesus. That's what give attention to my words means today in the new covenant for Jesus is God's word made flesh. John first, John 1 verses 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory and the glory as of the only begotten as the son only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. The result of turning our ear and eye gates to Jesus is that he will be life and health to us, beloved. The Bible shows us that there is a direct correlation between hearing and seeing Jesus and the health of our physical bodies. The more we hear and see Jesus, the healthier and stronger we become. Our our mortal bodies become infused with his resurrection life and power. We know that from scripture. And so what does the enemy do? He does the only thing that he can do, which is steal, kill, and destroy. If we are flippant in guarding our ears and and flippant in guarding our, our eyes, then we are giving these demonic principalities, these spirits of mind control, literal access to us. We are giving the devil a foothold like Ephesians 4 warns against. Satan and these demonic principalities, they all know that if they can quite literally control our minds, that they can control us. Just like if Jesus controls our minds, he controls us, right? So beloved, look, don't lie to me. Don't lie to me and don't lie to yourself and don't lie to God. There is no way you can feel closest to Christ when indulging in Taylor Swift. You just can't. There's no way your spirit is strengthened by listening to Taylor Swift. And consider this. That's exactly the point. That's exactly the point. I'm not asking you to become an ignoramus or live in a cave. That's not what I'm saying we should do. What I'm saying is this. Know what is good for the wholeness of your mind and body. 1 Peter 5.8 Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary... The devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Remember, folks, that was written for the church. That was written for the church. So I know that was a lot. We're going to, I'm going to let you digest that. I'm going to let you re-listen to this and you can expect more in part two. But right now, let's pray. In part two, at the end, we're going to kind of do a deliverance prayer against the mind control spirits and against the the um, the goddess deities that I'm going to talk about in the next episode. But for now, I'm going to pray over um, I'm going to pray over Taylor Swift and and her fan her unsaved fans specifically. And in the next episode, we're going to pray over 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 ourselves and each other. Okay, so. Heavenly Father, we just come to you now at at the foot of the cross, at the foot of the cross that saved our lives, that covered us in the blood of Jesus and completely redeemed us from our transgressions, Lord. And we just pray to you 
in great faith, Lord, because because you say in your word that if you have that faith like a mustard seed, that it can move a mountain in, in your name, Jesus. And so we we just pray with such great faith that that you would save Taylor Swift, Lord. We just pray for her soul. We pray for her soul. We pray that like it says in Revelation 3, that you would knock on the door of her heart, Lord. And we pray that beyond all the darkness that's influencing her, that she has, that she has submitted to, Lord, we, we pray that she would hear that knock. And we pray for the courageous faith for her to step forward and to answer the door and to let you into her heart, Lord. We pray for you to just wreck her life in all the glorious ways of redemption that that you have with every one of us listening the way that you have completely redeemed all of us. We pray that you would just completely redeem Taylor Swift from the demonic, debaucherous life that she is just completely entrenched in and in total bondage to, Lord. We pray that you would begin to give her signs Lord, we pray that you would begin to give her signs that she needs to turn away from the master that she's submitted to, the enemy, that she needs to turn away from this sinful lifestyle that she finds great pleasure, great temporary pleasure in. Lord, we pray that you would give her these signs to show her that it's time to leave that in the past, that it's time for her to recognize that if she just, if she just receives you, Lord, if she just believes in her heart and confesses with her mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that everything that she has done can just be nailed to this cross that we're laying this prayer at your feet at, Lord. We just pray that she would just come to this radical realization that this radical transformation that can only be done by you, King Jesus. Lord, you are in the business of redemption and we pray that you would redeem Taylor Swift. We know she's not prayed for enough, Lord. So we're coming to you now saying that we're going to make it a point to pray for her, God. We're going to make it a point to intercede for her, Lord. We are lifting Taylor Swift to you right now, Jesus. We are interceding for her. We are coming against the unclean spirits that are infiltrating her, that are living in her, that are operating through her. We're coming against all of that and we are interceding for her right now in prayer. We are giving her to you, Jesus. We are giving, we are giving her life to you and praying that you will take it, Lord, and praying that in faith she will let you, Father. We pray that you have mercy on her soul, Lord. We pray that you have mercy on her soul, that you redeem her soul, that you use her for your glory, that you give her an incredible testimony of redemption, Father. You are the God of making likely what is unlikely. And we know in our logical minds that this doesn't make sense, that it doesn't make sense that someone like Taylor Swift would give her life to Jesus. We can't wrap our heads around that, Lord, but you can do anything. You breathed and the universe was born, Lord. You can do anything. And we know that. So we are praying in faith, in faith of a big, infinite, eternal, gracious, merciful, faithful, loving, brilliant God Almighty, that you would take Taylor Swift and make her a new creation in you, King Jesus.
And Lord, we pray for every single fan of Taylor Swift that does not know you. We lift every single one of them to you now because while we don't know them, Lord, you do because you stitched every one of them in their mother's womb. You made them in their image and they have been remade by the world. They have been remade by the demonic. They have been remade by the enemy, Lord. And we pray that you would redeem them that you would snatch them, that that the lost sheep would hear your voice, Lord. We pray, we intercede for them now. We beg you, we beg you to take as many people home as you can to bring more saints into the kingdom before it's too late, Father. That you would just impress onto their hearts that you are the way, the truth, and the life that you would just impress onto their hearts that this music that they're indulging in is not their salvation, that they will never, ever have what it is that they're searching for in this music, that they will never have it until they give themselves to you, King Jesus. I pray that you would just show that to them in radical, supernatural ways. I pray that you would invade every one of their lives with your grace, with your love, with your power, King Jesus. And Lord, we will continue to pray for Taylor Swift. We will continue to pray for her unsaved fan base, Father. Making that promise to you now that we will add her and those fans to our prayer list because they need our prayers because they are living in so much vile darkness and so much vile sin. And so we pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.